I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We're going to read from verse 12 to verse 14. For those of you that are guests, we've been in a series for the last several weeks titled, If God's People. And it is based on um, a prayer that was originally uh, prayed by King Solomon in, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And then in chapter 7, we see God responding to the king's prayer um, and making a promise to the king on behalf of the people that if they were to take certain steps um, in their response to the Lord, that he would indeed bring revival, renewal, restoration to their lives. How many of you recognize this morning that every one of us, as much as we love God and as much as we've experienced his incredible power at work in our lives, that there is still so much that he wants to do in us. There's still so much he wants to do for us and he wants to do through us. And there has to be a constant hunger and a desire and a yearning on our part to say, God, have your way in me. God, you're not finished with me yet. God, there is a purpose that you have for my life. And that God is a work you seek to accomplish through my life. But as I've said many times before, I say it again, God never forces you and I to do what we are ourselves not willing to do. He invites us. Everybody say invite. God invites you and in inviting you, he presents to you, he paints for you this picture of what it would be like when you surrender, when you're submitted to him, when you yield to him. And he invites you to be a part of what can be accomplished when you allow him to use you. So we're talking about what we must do if we are to experience revival, restoration, and renewal. How many times we look at what's happening in the world scene today and we lament all the things that are going wrong in our world and why, while it would be easy for us to simply talk about the bad in the world. I hope you realize this morning that as, as a member of the body of Christ, as a part of God's family, that your responsibility, responsibility, my responsibility is to be burdened for the world. That we don't just see what's happening and lament what's happening, but that God gives us a burden for what is happening in the world. And we are committed to praying and seeking God's face and asking God, how can I be a catalyst through which you can bring change, the change I desire to see in the world? In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, again I mentioned earlier, we see the, the king as, he, as he's at the, the, the genesis of, of, of dedicating this magnificent temple he has built to the Lord. The Bible tells us that it was the heart of his dad, King David, to build a temple, a house of worship, a permanent place where the Lord could be worshipped. And the scripture says that God said that David would not be the one to build this temple because David had blood in his hands. And if you want to know what I mean by that, go back and look at his story. First Kings will tell you a lot about some of the things that David did. He was a great man. He was a great king, a man after God's heart. But yet David made some very bad decisions, made some very difficult choices. And so the Bible says that because of those decisions and choices he made, not to suggest that God didn't love David or God didn't care for David, but God said, your hands are stained with the blood of the innocent. And so because your hands are stained with innocent blood, you cannot be the one to establish or build this temple for me. It will be your son's responsibility. And the Bible says that King David made provision. He made preparation for this temple to be built. All of the resources that would be needed, David made sure he got together. And then when he passed and Solomon took the throne, it became priority number one for this brand new king to build this house of worship to the Lord. And build it he did. And magnificent was this structure. That for, for many generations, this, this temple, up until it was destroyed eventually, was, was the talk of that region because of its magnificence, because of its, because of its opulence. Solomon did his part in fulfilling the call that God had placed on his life to establish this permanent house of worship for the Lord. And in chapter 6, the Bible tells us that Solomon is, this, is, is on behalf of the people praying to the Lord and he's 
crying out to God and he's, he's telling God, uh, God, and you look at this magnificent structure we built for you. Uh, our desire is that this place will represent your, your, your constant presence among us. But then Solomon acknowledged something that it is important that we all learn to acknowledge and it is this, that we don't always get it right. That we sometimes stray, that we sometimes go the wrong path, not to suggest that it's okay, but it is to suggest that in this journey, in this walk with the Lord, we are constantly dealing with the flesh that wants to have its way. And sometimes we give in. Again, not making excuses. That's not what I'm saying this morning. I'm not suggesting at all that it is okay for us to walk in sin. No. But what I am saying is that part of the, part of the, the, the reality that, that we must consider as we see ourselves as a work in progress is this idea that there are going to be times where we will fail. And so Solomon is acknowledging there are times, God, where your people will rebel, where they will not follow, where they will not listen, where they will not do what you ask them to do. And Solomon acknowledged that God has every right to bring judgment, to bring punishment against his people. But Solomon takes the role that, that is important for us, that, that we take as believers. Again, in a culture and society where we feel like everything is going wrong around us and it would be easy for us to just simply complain about what's going on. And yet, miss out on the opportunity for us to be a part of the solution God wants to bring. Solomon prays, he says, God, if your people, when they rebel, when they, when they turn from sin, when they, when they, when, when, when they, when they yield, stop, stop yielding to you, God, have mercy. God, show forgiveness. God, extend grace to your people. Do not destroy your people. And so the scripture says that the night that Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord, that God appeared to him in a dream. And this is what the Lord said beginning in verse 12. I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send a plague among my people and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God said, then I will hear from heaven. He didn't say, I may, I might, if I feel, if I feel good, then I, I He said, I will. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. My, my, my vivid imagination likes to believe that, that as Solomon is sitting there listening to God, that he's hearing this booming voice. And, and of course, that word will, will is emphasized over and over again because God wanted Solomon to understand, as I believe God wants you and I to understand, that when we respond to him as we should, he will respond to us. When we call on his name, when we cry out to him, when we say, Father, have mercy on me, God, help me to live for you, to serve you, to follow you, God will respond. God will not turn away a heart that is repentant. God will not turn away a heart that is broken for its sin. God will not turn a heart that is, that is truly remorseful about its shortcomings. And so over these last three weeks, we've been looking at what does it mean to, to pursue that, that revival, renewal, restoration that God offers you and I. And we were looking at the four different steps that God tells Solomon that his people are to do if they are to experience his intervention in our lives. Week one, we talked about revival coming, friends, because we approach God with reverence. God said, if my people who have come on my name will humble themselves. It is this recognition of who God is and who we are. It is as it was Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. The, the prophet said when he, the year that King Uzziah died, he stood in the presence of the Lord. And he beheld the magnificence of God so that the only thing Isaiah could admit was, I am a wretched man. I am an, I am an unclean man. Why? Because he saw his life in comparison to the purity of God. 
And the Bible says that Isaiah, Isaiah's response was to say, God help me. God help me. And, and humility, friends, is necessary. If you and I are to engage God as we should, if we're to invite His intervention in our lives, we must learn the importance of reverencing Him, of, of giving Him the worship, the honor, the, the recognition, the acknowledgement that He deserves. Friend, listen, if you do not have a right perspective of God, if you do not have a right appreciation of, of the magnificence of God, the authority of God, the sovereignty of God, friends, your response to Him will not be as it should be. If you, don't, if you see God as simply someone you call to because you need something from Him, then He'll be nothing more to you than, something, than someone that simply meets your needs. You and I must learn to see God as so much more than, than one who exists for us, but that we indeed exist for Him. And that God's desire is that you and I would approach Him with a sense of reverence, a deep reverence about who He is. We too, we talked about revival coming because we desire God's transforming work in our lives. God, God is in the business of changing people's lives. I heard a preacher say many years ago, God loved me the way I am. And it is true. But God loved me too much to leave me the same. God's desire is to change our lives, to transform our lives, to help us become more and more like Him. And can I tell you, it's not an easy process. It is not an overnight process. It is a difficult process. Why? Because it calls for you and I to die to ourselves, to die to our will, die to our desire, die to our wants. Why? Because we recognize that His will, His desire, His wants are greater, are better than ours. We must learn, friends, to desire God's transforming work. In our lives, and our prayer must be constantly, God, change me. The word change is not a bad word, friends. In fact, it's a powerful word because it is a word that invites God to transform us the way He desires to. Your prayer should be, God, change me. It doesn't matter what your past is, it doesn't matter what you have, what choices you've made in the past, what decisions you've made in the past, it doesn't matter that doesn't matter the direction your life has gone. God's desire is to change you. God desires to change your life. To, as it were, we say, we, we say, this is our theme this year, to change your story. Today I want to focus on the third aspect of, of, God, of, of the steps that God uh, gave to, to the king as to how we are to uh, experience revival, restoration, renewal. And that is, he says, by praying. And, and, and I, uh, excuse me, not praying, but, but seeking your face. I want you to understand this morning that revival, friends, comes when you and I seek a deep and an enduring encounter with God. This morning during praise and worship, we sang about His presence. One of the songs, your presence is heaven to me. Heaven, when we think of heaven, we think of, uh, of, of a perfect place. And when we sing that song, we're saying, God, there is no better place that, that I, I should be in, that I desire to be in, than in your presence. There is, no, there is no greater relationship that I should have, that I should walk in, than a relationship with you. God's desire is that you and I come to a place where we recognize that we need Him in our lives. And that we don't just simply need Him again for the sake of what we will get from Him, but that we need Him so we can experience Him. The word that God used, the phrase God used was, seek my face. Notice He didn't say, seek my hands. When we talk about hands, we talk about what we do, right? It's... The hands represent action taken on behalf of either ourselves or another. God didn't say, seek my hands. He said, seek my face. And what is he saying? Seek my presence. Seek, my re seek relationship with me. Seek interaction with me. Don't just come to me seeking me for what I'm going to do for you. I mean, we all know that, that God's power is limitless when it comes to what He can do for us. But God is saying, more important than simply what I do for you is you seeking me. Seek my face. God's desire is that you and I would seek a deep and an enduring encounter with Him. 
And I believe this is the invitation that God made, not only to King Solomon, but to you and I as well. But how do we pursue that deep and enduring encounter with God? Number one, we must first desire God above anything else. Scripture says in Matthew 6.33, we are to make God our top priority. We are to make His kingdom, His rule, His way of life our top priority. Again, it's not that we see God as an accessory to our lives. Or we, we see engaging God as something that we, we do one day out of the week. Our relationship with God is, must be so important to us that we cannot see ourselves functioning outside of that relationship. That we are defined by that relationship. I am who I am. You are who you are because of who God is. And because of the relationship you have with Him. That you recognize the importance of that relationship and you pursue that relationship with every fiber of your being. We must learn to desire God first above anything else. Why? Because there are always going to be some, there's always going to be things that are going to crave or clamor for priority in your heart. It could be your job. Where you pour yourself so much into your work that, that that's all you do to, to, at the detriment of other things. It could be relationships. It, it, could, it could be responsibility that you may have. It, 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 it could be dreams, goals, aspirations, desires that you have. What I'm saying, well, I'm not suggesting that these things are bad in and of themselves, but what I'm suggesting is this. When we allow those things to take so much of our time and our focus and our attention, that we're giving God the scraps of our lives. During our family devotion, just a few days ago, I was telling the family about you know growing up when I was in college and I, my excuse for not getting time to read my Bible to pray was God I'm tired I would, I would spend my entire day chasing after all the things that, that were priorities in my life and when it came time for me to go to bed I would then feel oh I, I forgot to pray this morning or I didn't read my Bible today and so I would take up my Bible and I would start reading I would start praying and halfway through reading I would, I'm, I'm falling asleep and, and I would be so exhausted that I would literally no joke no lie I would say to God God you understand I am tired you, you know what's in my heart, you know I love you, and then I would get right into bed and I would fall asleep. And I would do that for, for a long time. Why? Because in my mind, even though I claimed to love God, I wasn't making priority for Him until I lost my job. And I remember I went several months without a job. I was looking for work, nobody was hiring, nobody, I mean, it was one roadblock after the other, excuses after the other for why I wasn't getting hired. And so I remember one particular day I was in my, I was still living in my parents' house then. So I remember I was in my room and I was just crying out to God. And it was really more like a pity party. I was like, oh Lord, I mean, what's going on? I mean, don't you care? And, and in that moment, I felt like the Lord said to me, you said to me, you didn't have time for me. I just made time for you. <laughs> and I thought, wow. And you know what? I chose to see that period of not being able to work as an opportunity for me to now focus. So the excuse of not having time to read my Bible, not having time to pray, I started to make time. I, I, because, because it was important that I, 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 I prioritize God in my life. The discipline of reading my Bible in the morning, praying in the morning as I start my day, those, those, those were developed friends. In a, in a season in my life where I could, have easily, I could have easily turned my back to the Lord because, I was not, because things were not going my way. God wanted me to understand, relationship with me, with me is the priority. Desire me first. Friends, do not allow God to put you in a place where He has to get your attention. All because you are choosing to ignore what He's asking you to do. He wants a relationship with you. Why? Because He knows that a relationship with Him is going to affect your life in a radical way. Do not allow God to bring an interruption into your life all because He's trying to get your attention. 
We must recognize the importance of seeking God first, making Him the priority of our lives and pursuing Him more than anything because it is in the context of that seeking and desiring God that revival comes. The second thing we must learn to do is to align our thoughts and our motives and our actions through a study of the Word and through prayer. In Ephesians 4 verse 23 and verse 24, the Apostle Paul talks about the importance of allowing the Spirit of God to renew our thoughts and our attitudes. So that as he does so, we are able to put on a new nature. And he, he uses this phrase, we are created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Again, as I said to you, God's desire, friends, is to change our lives. His desire is to make us more and more like his son, Jesus, to help us become more and more like Christ. But in order for that to happen, we have to be transformed. We have to be changed. It, it, it is as that saying, you don't put new wine into old, old wineskins. In order for us to be able to, 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 to handle what God wants to pour into our lives, He has to change us. He has to transform our nature. That's why the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Not, not, not to suggest that the, the, the flesh is new. That's not what He's talking about. He's talking about our spirit. He's talking about our, our mindset. He's talking about our worldview. He's talking about the, 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 that which drives our desires. Our, our attitudes, our actions, God's desire is to change us from within. And part of what helps you and I to align ourselves with His thoughts, with His motives, with His, with His actions, is through the study of the Word. Friend, the Word of God is more than just a book you just grab on a Sunday morning because you're going to church. God desires that you engage this Word every single day because this is how He speaks to us. How do we know the heart and mind of God except through His Word? Now, I'm not suggesting that God doesn't speak to us other than through the Word, but here's the thing, friends. Everything that we hear that, is, that, that people may suggest is from God, friends, I put through this filter. If it does not line up with this book, I'm not accepting it. Doesn't matter who the person may be, friends. Doesn't matter how eloquent they may sound or convincing they may sound. If what they are saying does not align with this book, friends, it is not the Word of God. And we must learn to allow ourselves to be aligned, brought into alignment with who God is and how He wants us to think through the Word. Study the Word. Make time for the Word. Build in your, into your daily routine a habit of, of, of engaging God's Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you more about your Father. And in learning about your Heavenly Father, you discover more about who you are, who He wants you to be, how He wants you to live, what He wants you to do. And way too many believers who are, who are relying on somebody else to tell them about God. When God has made it available to you and I for us to engage Him one-on-one. Not, not saying this to put anybody down or to make you feel bad. We must do better. We, we must do better. God, help me to prioritize time with you. Help me to prioritize time in the Word. Help me to prioritize time in prayer. And again, prayer is more than just us giving God a laundry list of things we want Him to do. I've been guilty of that, friends. Where I come to God with a laundry list of God, here's your to-dos for today, God get to work. <laughs> no. When I pray, I'm saying, God, help me to, to, be, to be aligned with you. Help me to become like you. Help me to think your thoughts. Lord, change me. What, whatever needs to, to be worked out of my life, God, work it out in me. Whatever, whatever needs to be worked into my life, God, work it into me. I'm, when I pray, I'm saying, God, let your will be done in my life, whatever it is. But we must learn, friends, to prioritize word, the words, the study of the word and prayer so that we can experience that deep and enduring relationship and encounter with God. And here's the last point. We must learn to commit ourselves firmly to God's purpose and plan for our lives. Again, I, I consider what the scripture invites us to 
Paul declares, I am sure that God who began the good work in you will continue working in you until the day that Christ calls you. Again, it is that, that, that idea that God is working in you and I and that God is producing in us an outcome that He has already determined. Why? Because it is desired that you and I become more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. If you and I are willing to, uh, to acknowledge that God has a purpose for our lives, He has a plan for our lives, and we say, God, work that plan out in me. Use every circumstance, both the good and the difficult, Lord, to work out your purpose and plan in my life. Then we're embracing what God seeks to do in us, in helping us to, to develop this deeper reliance and de dependence on Him. When we, when we think about human relationships, we talk about the fact that, that human relationships are, are meant to, you're meant to make, get closer and closer to the person that you love, yes? When my wife and I first got married at our honeymoon, we came across a couple who were celebrating their 50th anniversary. We were just celebrating our second day, right? <laughs> 50 years. And I remember we asked them, what is your secret? 50 years. And the wife said to us, selective hearing. And I thought, selective hearing, what is that? And she basically said to us, that, that we choose to not react to everything that we hear. Sometimes I'll say something to him that I know is going to rob him up. Sometimes he'll say something that was going to rob me up. But we've chosen to not respond to everything we hear. Why? Because we prioritize the relationship. There's a preacher, Andy Stanley, who preached a series. We, we watched this at the Fonia campus many years ago on a Wednesday night. Where he talked about the, the fact that the reason why a lot of relationships struggle is because they focus, people focus on being right in that relationship rather than having a right relationship. In other words, if, if there's conflict, I'm right, you're wrong. And we, we're not willing to move forward unless, unless the person that's wrong acknowledges that they're wrong and they admit that we're right. And many conflicts never get resolved. Why? Because, because people are focused on being right. And what he was saying is God desires that we focus on a right relationship. Again, think about this, friends. Think about how God interacts with you and I. If you and I, every time we got it wrong, God said to us, you know what, this relationship is over. We would be lost, friends. Do you agree with me this morning? Every single time we messed up, God said, this relationship is over. I am done with you. Oh, I don't know where I'd be today, friends. I do not know where I'd be today. I know my life would be radically different. If anything, my life would be radically worse. But I am grateful that in spite of the fact that I get it wrong so many times, that God says it is the relationship that matters. Again, not that God is denying his righteousness, his holiness, his purity, but what God says is what, where he or she needs to be, they cannot get to by themselves. They need me. And because of that reality, God continues to pursue. He continues to pursue. He continues to seek after us. He continues to walk with us. He continues to work in our lives. And so we must, on our part, commit ourselves to be fully engaged in this knowledge that, God, you have a purpose and plan for my life in spite of the many times I mess up. And that we say, God, have your way in me. God's desire, friends, is that we learn to see ourselves as, again, I said, I use this phrase, a work in progress. And to recognize that God's desire is to work a good work in us so that as we are walking with Him in relationship, we see our lives being different over and over again. In the same way that we think about the relationships that we have, the human relationships that we have, we can say, well, you know, this person 
they mean so much to me. Why? Because they, they, they've, rubbed, they, they've, they've left a mark on me. They've, they've helped me in this, in this way or, or they, they've challenged me to become such and such. In the same way in our relationship with God, God's desire is for us to be able to say, you know, because I know Jesus, I am who I am. When the world sees how you respond, the decisions you make, your, your, your worldview, when they see your values, your, your priorities, that they see that it's not just because you're just a good person, even though you are a good person, but that they see that it is Jesus in you that has made the difference. In the New Testament, the Bible says that those who were followers of Christ were, were given the name Christians, not by Christians. It was unbelievers that gave them the name Christian. And they gave them the name Christian because they saw the teachings of Christ in them. Imagine if the world started to give us nicknames, but it was based on what they see in us. Not because we're, trumpet, we're blasting our own trumpets, we're trying to call attention to ourselves. No, but when they see him in us, they, see, they say, you know what? This person knows Jesus. This person knows Jesus. I, I see the influence of Christ in this person's life. I see the influence of Christ in her life, in the way that she responded to that circumstance, that struggle that she faced. Whereas others might have, might have given up, she's pressing forward. Why? Because there's a joy that she has knowing that she's not alone in that difficulty. A relationship with God would change your lives, friends. And you and I must desire that relationship, desire to build that relationship, to grow in that relationship. Let it be as Paul prayed that you and I would get to know the Lord better and better and better. That I know Him more today than I knew Him yesterday. That I'll know Him more tomorrow than I know Him today. Why? Because I'm seeking Him. I'm seeking to know Him. I'm seeking a relationship with Him. I'm saying, God, change my life. Not coming to you to tell you, God, what you should do. God, I'm simply asking you to change my life. And change my life in the context of a relationship with you. Help me to know you. Help me to walk with you. Help me to live for you. Every single one of us in here, friends, are a work in progress. And God's invitation to every single one of us is to seek Him. God said, if you seek my face, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive and I will heal your land. And I would encourage you to make it a priority today that you're going to put God first. That nothing is going to take His place on the throne of your heart. That everything about you will be defined by who He is. And that you seek Him more than anything else. You prioritize Him more than anything else. Acknowledge Him. Give, give, give opportunity for Him to speak to you through His Word. Spend time with your Heavenly Father in prayer. Seek Him while He is found. Call on Him while He is near. God's desire is that you and I would know Him. And if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that for me, the most important decision that I've ever made, and I've made a lot of them, I've made a lot of bad decisions, but... I've also made a lot of good decisions, but the greatest decision that I've ever made was to, was to ask Him to forgive me of my sins. I grew up going to church. I grew up in the church. I grew up, you know, if, if you were to ask me back then, are you a Christian? I would tell you yes. Are you going to heaven? I would tell you yes. Why? Because I grew up in a Christian home. But was my heart for the Lord? No. Did He have first place in my life? No. In fact, if anything, God was an afterthought. I would only think about him when I was in church. But when I was not in church, he was far from my mind. Even though I knew him, I didn't, I, even though I knew about him, I didn't know him. I had no relationship. And I'll tell you this, the catalyst for change was when I began to discover as a teenager, 16 years old, that there was something different 
in me versus others who claim to be Christians like I did, but yet we're living very different lives. And I told the Lord, I do not want to simply tell people I'm a Christian. I want you to be seen in me. And for that to happen, I need to surrender everything to you. I want a relationship with you. And I want you to change my life. And when I did, friends, God, God responded. He changed my life. Is he finished with me? No. And he'll continue to work on me until the day he calls me home. And every single day, I look forward to the lessons that I'm learning as I walk with him and as I get to know him better and better. But it started with that decision to open my heart and to say, God, come in and have your, have, have your way in my life. Take over and take me where you need to take me, doing me what only you can do. And if that's you this morning and, and maybe, maybe you've been struggling, maybe there's some things you look back and sometimes you wonder, God, I, I, I keep messing up. God, I keep failing. I keep falling. I keep floundering. And as many times as I said, I, I won't do it again. As many times as I, as I said, God, I, I'll do better. God, I keep, I keep falling back again on my face. And, and God is saying, the, the problem is you're relying on your effort. And when he's asking you to just simply surrender to him. And I invite you to do that this morning. God says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Salvation is God's gift to you and I because we recognize that we need him more than life itself. Are you willing to say that today? And are you willing to allow God to begin a journey with you of changing your life? It's not going to happen overnight, friends. I've been walking with the Lord since 1994 and I can tell you there is still so much God still needs to do in my life. <laughs> but what I do know is this, God has changed my life. And I believe he wants to change yours as well. I want to invite every head bowed and every eyes closed. And I celebrate what God is doing here this morning because I truly believe that God is moving in this place. God is speaking to hearts today. There's not a person in here this morning that I believe God is not speaking. God is speaking to all of us. And he's speaking to each of us in our place and point of need. Heavenly Father, first of all, I just want to say thank you. For the opportunity that you, you've given us, Lord, over these last three weeks to just consider what we must do if we are to experience your intervention in our lives. God, it is so easy for us to go through the motions. We, we, we are used to routines and traditions and we, we do things over and over that it just becomes something we don't even think about. We're not intentional about doing those things. Why? Because we, we've constantly been doing them, Father. And God, a relationship with you, God, is never meant to be routine. A relationship with you is never meant to be mundane. It's never meant to be something we just do for the sake of it. Father God, a relationship is something that, that's meant to give us life. That's meant to empower us. It's meant to renew us. It's meant to invigorate us, Lord, with your life, Lord. So that, God, we can be and we can do what you've called and created us to be and to do. And so, God, I pray this morning you would help every one of us in here. To desire a deep and an abiding and an enduring relationship with you. Father God, one that acknowledges, Father God, that we cannot live without you. One that acknowledges, Lord, that you have made your, your word, your, your will, your way available to us through the word. And you've given us the opportunity to engage you through prayer. And Lord, an opportunity, Father, to recognize that, Lord, you have a purpose and plan for our lives. And to commit ourselves fully and totally to it, Lord. God, I pray this morning that you would help us, help us, Lord, to yield to you, to surrender to you, to seek you first above all else. And God, in, in, in putting you first, that we'll find that all we have, all we need, God, we'll find in you. 
But God, for whomever is here today who will acknowledge that God, they need a relationship. They don't just want to know about you, God. They want to know you. They want to know the power of resurrection, the power that, that, that raised Jesus from the dead. They desire for that power to be living and, and active in their lives and helping them, Lord, to, to, to live for you and to serve you and to walk with you, God. God, thank you, Father, that, Lord, salvation is, is available, Father God, for the asking. And that, God, to whomever that may be today, you are standing on the door of their heart, you are knocking. That, God, they would open that door and allow you to come in and be Lord of their lives. To change them, to transform them, to renew them. Father, all because they say yes. God, help them to say yes today. And to welcome you to their hearts and their lives. And to allow you to transform them like only you can. With every head bowed and every eyes closed. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor John, pray with me this morning. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. And I want to live for Him. I want, to, I want Him to live in me. I want to pray with you this morning. All I'm going to ask you to do, whenever you head about every ask those, just slip up your hand. Just lift up your hand in the air. Looking around. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you so much. Any other hands? Thank you. If you want Him to come into your heart and life, to change your life, to change your life, friends, Call on his name and he will respond. Thank you. I see that hand. I want to invite everyone to pray this prayer with me. And those who are asking, inviting the Lord into your hearts, mean it in your heart today. The Bible says that on the heels of your faith and trust in him, he will respond to you. And I want to also invite the congregation and the entire body this morning to join with us in praying this prayer to encourage those who are making a commitment to faith in Christ. Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as a sinner. And I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And today, Lord, I choose to turn from a life of sin to place my trust in you. I confess you as my Savior, my Lord. And I ask you to help me to live for you and to live as your child. Thank you, God, for forgiveness for your grace, for your mercy, for changing my life. I am yours today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, let's give a hand of applause for those who prayed that prayer. Let's thank God for what he's doing in their hearts and lives and those who have responded to him. 